Alright. Alright. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, woof, woof, ugly basketball time. Didn't really see that one coming time. Plenty to talk about time. Hey, at least it's almost Christmas time time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you right here from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Monday morning out there, if it's indeed Monday morning when you're listening to this. Of course, I guess it could be Monday afternoon or evening or Tuesday morning, Tuesday evening. Really, it could be any time over the next several days. But if it's Monday morning or whatever day it is, hope it's a good one for you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Hope you're having good holidays there with your family. It's not just me on this podcast, guys. From the Blunt County Satellite Office of Govals 24-7 down in Maryville, Tennessee, or as some people might say, Maryville, but those people would be wrong because it's Maryville or Merville. It's Grant Ramey. What's up, man? I'm good. Still trying to uh, decompress from uh, that high-tempo basketball game on Saturday. Yeah, um, I got to be honest with you. Rick Barnes said he was expecting kind of a game like that, just maybe a different outcome. Uh, I I don't know that I was. Uh, Bottom line is, uh, at the end of that 40-minute basketball game, this is not a halftime score, boys and girls. It's a full-time score. Memphis 51, Tennessee 47 at a sold-out Thompson Bowling Arena which came out all dressed up and orange and looking pretty for the party, and there was not much of a party. That was um, some of the worst offensive basketball I have seen from a Tennessee team, uh, not just in the Rick Barnes era, but, but in, a, in a while. That, that one, that was almost like some, some Kevin O'Neill type stuff. That was, that was rough. Uh, if you want to look at it optimistically, Tennessee was, you know, almost beat a ranked team or 13th ranked team in the country while getting uh, a combined 6 of 31 performance from the floor from its top top three scorers. Uh, but I don't know that there's too much optimism you can take away from that, Grant. The, the, the bottom line is uh, Tennessee played um, played a pretty, pretty bad basketball game, probably against the worst team they wanted to play a bad basketball game against. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad was – he sent me a text Sunday morning saying, I think if you blindfolded Tennessee's players – uh, on Sunday and gave them 60 shots that they would probably hit more than 15 of them, uh, which was the final uh, total. Saturday afternoon, they were 15 for 60. Uh, Lamonte Turner was 1 for 11. Uh, Jordan Bound was 2 for 10. And I believe Eve Pons was 3 for 10. That, that's your three leading scorers on the season combining to go 6 for 31 from the field. And uh, Lamonte didn't score until I, I don't know when his first field goal was late in the game. I think he had a couple free throws in the first half. Uh, Jordan Bowden didn't hit any shots until late in the game. I mean, it just it trickled down from there. Eve Ponds, quick two fouls. First five minutes, he sits the rest of the 15 minutes of the half. Honestly, you could you could tell when Memphis started one for 13 uh, and all Tennessee could do, Memphis didn't hit its second field goal until the 7.58 mark of the first half. So you yep. think about that, 12 minutes and two seconds with one made field goal, and all Tennessee could do was, was build a 17-5 to lead. Uh, when that happened, when Tennessee was missing shots during that stretch, it felt like they should be doing more to put Memphis away right now. Memphis is is asking you to to put them away, and and you're not doing it. And uh, there are some there are some positives. I mean, John Fulkerson is extremely busy. Uh, Penny Hardaway was complimentary of him, saying he was maybe one of the hardest uh, playing uh, college basketball players in the country. Uh, Josiah James hit some big shots early on. He scored a career high 14 points at three threes. Uh, it felt like when he missed that transition dunk, uh, I can't remember if it was a steal or whatever, but it, he, he kind of played catch with Ticket on the run down there and then missed the dunk. That The building was ready to explode right there, and I don't know if he lost some confidence there or what, but it was kind of in that moment when he missed that dunk, when Tennessee wasn't doing enough to put Memphis away, that uh, it felt like you're giving them you're giving them life right here, and, and they came back and took it with some players Tennessee players benched uh, in the first half with two fouls, and and they led by one at halftime, and it just felt like they never got back on track from there. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Grant, is is that I uh, and you, it's good that you mentioned that Josiah Jordan James because I should plug this. We're gonna the second segment. We're gonna have three segments of this episode. The second one's gonna be an interview with Josiah Jordan James uh, talking about the Memphis game and sort of where they go from here and all that. And then we'll wrap things up in a third segment talking about this week, which has a uh, at least one really big challenge of its own. Um, but but Grant. 
here's what's interesting to me. Tennessee scored 51 points or 47 points in an entire basketball game and only had nine turnovers. That, to me, is – because if you would have told me Tennessee would have had a game like 47 points, I'd have been like, well, maybe Wisconsin did that to them because the way they maybe they want to choke hold on the game or, or maybe Tennessee had at least 20 turnovers or something like that. Uh, for Tennessee to have 47 points and just nine turnovers, that's just stunning. I, I never would have predicted that. But what's weird is that I've seen there, – there's been so many games over the past few years that I've seen Tennessee play in that building. And this goes back like a decade. And, and it just felt like to me – it was a game that Tennessee was going to win. And I know that, that you have said things to the contrary of that. And I know that, you know, our friend Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel has said that too, that he kind of thought they were going to lose the game until Eve Pons missed that free throw with about, what was it? 17 seconds left, 20 seconds left, something like that. When he missed the front end of the one and one there, when they were down two, until he missed that first free throw, I thought Tennessee was going to win that game because I just thought that I've seen that game so many times in that building where Tennessee just kind of, finds a way in the final couple minutes or, or the opponent kind of starts helping them and gets affected by the crowd and, and dribbles the ball off their feet. And, you know, even when, when Fulkerson had that ball stripped from him underneath the basket uh, and Memphis got the easy two there, uh, it was a great play by Memphis, but but something that Fulkerson probably should have had better awareness on. Uh, but, but my point is I just thought the whole time they were going to find a way to win that game. And, and I might be one of the few people who felt that way. Uh, but I, I was kind of – even when Ball hit that big three for Memphis and, you know, they're right, right back there, I knew that Tennessee, the basketball gods usually punish you when you have a chance to put a team away early and you don't do it. But Memphis, without Wiseman, you know, without uh, Lester out there, I, I, I thought that Tennessee would just kind of find a way to win that game, and it didn't. And, and the shots just just never fell. You know, Lamonte Turner took a couple of those shots that he usually hits late in games and, and he didn't hit them and – you know, uh, Pons missed a, a pretty good look before he got fouled there. There were, there were just a few things that went on there that, that just kind of stunned me. I thought Tennessee was going to win that game. I never thought Memphis was going to win that game, not, not leading into it, not during the game, not until Eve Pons missed that free throw uh, because it just kind of felt like a game Tennessee usually wills itself to win. And, but but they just they just kind of kept digging and digging for answers, and they never found them, and that, that baffled me. You know, did you did you have a read on that game in the second half? It just felt like any time Tennessee did anything, maybe took the lead or whatever, Memphis came down and answered. And, and it was well-documented going into that game. Memphis is the youngest team in college basketball. They're ranked 353rd in experience, uh, according to Ken Palm. And they're without, like you said, Lester and James Wiseman. They're, they're a different team without those guys. And they're going to be a, a lot better team when they get those guys back. Uh, but the problem is, with that logic, for me, all the guys that saved you in the past, they're gone. Grant Williams is gone. Admiral Schofield's gone. Jordan Bone's gone. Kyle Alexander's gone. Those were the guys that, you know, when, when they when they took over the number one ranking last year and they went to Vanderbilt and they spent 35, 36 minutes trying to lay an egg in that game against a bad Vanderbilt team, uh, it was it was Grant Williams and, and those kind of guys that were saving them late in those games. And it just felt like, to me, uh, I mean, I was – I didn't count them out. It just didn't feel like a win from the first 15 minutes when they couldn't put Memphis away. You're right. If you don't put a, if you don't put a team away uh, early in a game when you have a chance, it's going to come back and get you. Uh, and it felt like when Tyler Harris started hitting shots, and it kind of felt like the, um, you know, they took a they took the lid off the rim on that end, and, and they started doing some stuff. And then he scored a really nice drive there uh, at the end of the half to go up by one at halftime. Uh, it just felt like. Tennessee kind of had Memphis on the ropes and they'd punch their way out of it. And, and when you do that, it takes the air out of the building. Uh, so many times in the second half, that place wanted to erupt and, and start going crazy. Uh, but Memphis would come down and, and get a bucket. And, and part of that, you know, Tennessee fans don't want to do it, but you got to tip your hat to uh, Penny Hardaway and his, his kids. Cause they, they played well. They came into a really tough place to, to win and they did it. And, and, but those guys that have saved them, uh, they're not here anymore. And, and I don't, you know, the, the way I looked at this team in the offseason, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back and, and make it sound like I saw stuff like this coming, but the problem is you're leaning on Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner. They have to carry you. Eve Ponds, those are role-player guys in the past. You're asking these role-player guys to step up and be everything for this team, to be, you know, the, the lifeblood for this team. And if they have nights like they have, uh, Saturday night, I mean, let's let's be honest, that's an anomaly. 15 for 60, shooting 25% from the floor, 
I think they were four for 26 from three, something yep. like 15.4%. Yep. I mean, just horrendous numbers. 47 points, to my knowledge, is the lowest uh, output uh, during the Barnes era at Tennessee. I think they had 50 at Alabama a couple of years ago when they got that went down there and got absolutely throttled. I think that was 2018. Uh, they lost 78 to 50 down there. Uh, so that game's not going to happen a bunch, obviously, because it hasn't happened a bunch over the last four years. It's never happened. Um, but when you're leaning on guys that they're leaning on this season, when when your rotation is thin as it is, experience is uh, as thin as it is, uh, the post is, you know, you have so many questions down low, uh, and then your guard, your veteran guard play is inconsistent, that's kind of the formula for what you get. And you look at it, and, you know, uh, Achua had just eight points in 30 minutes. He had 13 rebounds. He did some good things, but – and Fulkerson and Pons did a great job on him defensively. You know, if you had told me that, that Achua gets eight points uh, and, and that Memphis shoots 33.9% from the from the floor and Memphis turns it over 17 times, I would have said Tennessee might walk out of that building with a 20-point win uh, just because it, it, it just the numbers in that game were just so bizarre. And I do give Memphis credit. I want to I be sure about this. I, I want to be very clear. I do give Memphis credit for what it did in that game. But here's what where I stop a little bit short is that Tennessee had good looks. I mean, Tennessee had wide open looks. Lamonte Turner in the first half had two looks that I don't know if he's ever been that open in his career. And, and it, it was almost like Barnes said he was so wide open it kind of made him feel weird and he didn't make the shot. And, and I'm not saying that they were all that open because they weren't, but there were looks that they were getting in rhythm in the flow of the offense, and they just were not going down. And, and you could go back and look at some possessions and say, yeah, you know, maybe that's not the best look, but it's a clean look. And, and for, in your own gym to do that, uh, I can't help but wonder if part of it is when you get a building that loud and, and you get a building that's going that crazy – Almost all the time, it's good because it revs you up. But also, you get those groans and those sighs. That's 21,000 plus, almost 22,000 sighs, you know, going out of a building and groans every time you miss a shot. And it just kind of builds and builds and builds. And that team got affected. That team, I mean, that, that, team, it, that team lost confidence offensively. And you can't do that. You know, if you, if you sit there and you're 0 for 10 as a shooter, this is why I like Lamonte Turner, is if he's 0 for 10, he'll think he's going to make the next one. So at least late in the game, uh, he's out there, he's confident taking the shots. You know, I mean, it's the other guys on the team, you know, I mean, you know, come on, missed a couple shots and then just refused to take any more after that, really. You know, Bowden was kind of, kind of flowing in and out of the game, wasn't doing a lot. Uh, Pons was clearly starting to look affected. They just, to me, they they look like they lacked confidence. And, and that's what's the scary thing to me is that there's times in a game, you know, or throughout a season where you're going to have, ga- you know, games like that where you just, where nothing goes down. That's the gut check time. What I do like is that they defended well throughout the entire game. They never stopped defending well. Memphis got a couple of second chance points out there off a couple rebounds, you know, that 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 second-chance three-pointer late in the game from, from Ball was a dagger. You know, a couple of those breakdowns happened, but really, I mean, they played pretty well defensively for most of the game, and Harris and Lomax and some of those guys, they're, they're tough covers. You know, Harris is super quick and can hit from 30-plus feet. You know, he's a tough guy to cover. But Tennessee, I like that they were so, you know, aggressive defensively, but offensively, man, that's – that's a problem uh, because this is what concerns me about it. And, and we'll talk about this, this a little bit more in the third segment, Grant, but, but what concerns me now is that what I kind of feared for this team was that it would be a team that could beat anybody on any given day, but that because it relied so heavily on a couple of guys that are not always the most consistent, it's going to be hard for them to win, to string together wins. It's going to be hard for them to win a tournament. It's going to be hard for them to go far in the postseason because they're going to run into those nights when those things happen, and they're going to have to get guys that they can throw the ball into down low that can get them a bucket, guys who can create off the bounce and go get a bucket. You need those things in those moments, and this team showed in that game that you may not have those guys, and that to me is, is the big concern. Yeah, and, and I think it starts from the top in terms of the rotation. Uh, let's be clear, Lamonte's Turner obviously is struggling. Uh, his shoulder issue is, is something at this point that is uh, serious and not going away. Uh, Rick Barnes, he's mentioned it a few times, and he doesn't just throw injury notes out there like that. 
He said after the game that he was gone a couple days last week getting that shoulder looked at, um, which we noted, you know, on the checkerboard throughout the week. That's a problem. It starts with him. Jordan Bowden, it's the same thing we've been talking about for four years now. Jordan Bowden, he's going to have to be the aggressor. He's going to have to hunt his shots, uh, and he's going to have to knock down shots. And and when he misses early in games like he did Saturday, he kind of goes into a shell and and, and disappears a little bit, and, and he can't do that. And you are right about the the defense. I think Memphis had like five assists in that game, yep. uh, which is pretty incredible. When you, you know, I don't know what their turnover number was if you noted it earlier. Seventeen yeah. uh, in this segment, but yeah, five. You know that that assist to turnover ratio is insane to to win by four and uh, in that building in front of that crowd. And uh, that was actually what what Penny complimented Fulkerson on so much was how well he defended the pick and roll. They want to be a pick and roll team. Uh, he wasn't letting them do that. And he I think he, that blow, goes back he, he to, blows them up. Stopping Juba. Yeah, he just blows them up, man. He blows right. up pick and, and rolls. And that makes you play uh, east and west, go side to side with the basketball, and, and they were able to do enough kind of in isolation ball to, to find the buckets they needed to win the game. But it, it's going to start with Lamonte always, and, and he's going to miss shots. I mean, he's shooting like 28% from the field and yep. 23% from three or something like that this season. That is absolutely uh insanely bad for a guy that has hit so many big shots and scored so many points uh, over his career and been known for that guy that can get hot and, and give you a lot of points in, in a pretty short span so obviously his shoulder's a problem you're gonna have to find consistency with jordan bowden uh one way or the other i mean we asked rick barnes about it straight up after the memphis game he said i don't know i don't have the answer i trust them i put them out there they're going to figure it out because they're in bigger roles just like everybody else and you know, like he mentioned, Olivier, the body language, you can't let everybody in the arena know that, that you're down on yourself after missing a couple shots. Uh, and it just kind of goes down the line. Eve Pond, you got to be more consistent with him from what you've seen early on in the season. He can score the basketball. He's got to do that. So uh, it's going to start at the top and trickle the way down. And uh, you're right, the defense is going to keep them in these games uh, most nights. More they're often good. Than not. Yeah, they're and good there. Just have little breakdowns. Uh, but they got to do something. Well, you know what we have to do right now, Grant, is we got to take a break. We're going to step away. We're going to pay some bills, uh, listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those fun things, and, and we're going to come back, and when we do, uh, you're going to hear from Tennessee freshman guard Josiah Jordan-James, who was one of the bright spots, at least for much of that game. Uh, Six-foot-six, five-star uh, burger burger boy went out there, and uh, he, he shot the ball really well early. He did some good things, but then he kind of went back in his shell a little bit later, and there's some pluses and minuses, but I, but I'll tell you what never changes about Josiah Jordan James. Kid's an unbelievable interview. He give he, he listens to your questions. He gives you honest answers. He's not afraid to come out and say things, but he's also not going to say anything stupid. Uh, he just you know he's already kind of he kind of interviews like a guy who's been playing in the league for ten years already, and, and you'll hear some of that coming up in this interview. So we're going to step away, come back. You're going to hear from Josiah Jordan James. Then we're going to go going to go to break again after that ten minutes or so, and then we're going to come back here and talk about where the Vols go from here. Hashtag. Ad. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what do you say to Lamonte and Jordan I mean, those guys are veterans. Um, they, they haven't played perfect uh, in every game that they've been in. They've had bad games before, and I know that they're going to bounce back. Just knowing the guys that they are, they're going to come in the gym and work even harder. And uh, we're going to feed off that as younger guys, younger guys just seeing, like, it's always a, if a loss can't, 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 you can't make a loss. You have to make a loss a lesson. So they already told us in the locker room that they're going to be better and we got to be better as a group. And so we're just feeding off uh, their positive energy. What do you say to them during a game when their shot's not falling? You tell them to keep shooting? What were you saying? Yeah, they're always in attack mode. And so I really don't say much to them because they, they already know how uh, coach wants to run the offense even if their shots aren't falling. So uh, I just let, let them flow. I don't really say much to them, though. I try to keep them, keep them confident, though. Uh, in the back of the air telling the next shot's going to fall, keep shooting, things like that. What was Memphis doing defensively to bother you guys, or was it just a tough shoot that uh, I feel like they played really good defense, but we had a good uh, 10 days of practice where 
uh, all the uh, the uh, scout team did was pressure us because we knew that, that uh, that's what Memphis liked to do. So I felt like we were uh, well prepared for that. And we got good looks at shots, and they just didn't fall for us. Why was their defense good? Uh, just pressuring the ball, their on-ball defense, off-ball defense, just them uh, moving as a whole and as a unit. Uh, they played really good defense as a team. Do you think the crowd played it back in this game? What was your reaction to the atmosphere? That was uh, definitely the craziest atmosphere I've been in. Um, uh, Ball Nation, they showed up and they showed out. Um, but we didn't do what we had to do. And uh, I'm disappointed in that. Um, but I can't express my, my love for them enough because they really um, boosted us on the court. So is this the best start to a game you think you've had offensively? I mean, yeah, probably the numbers say that. But there's a lot of things that I, I could have done before I got in foul trouble. Um, just a uh, little miscues and things like that. Just, just got to play harder. Did you feel like you passed up on some, on some open shots later in, in the ball game, second half, anything like that? Um, I feel like I passed up on good shots to try to get great shots. Yeah. Is that kind of is it hard to keep taking those shots, baby, when you're a freshman and you're playing with two senior guards? Even if you are, even if you are open, and it's kind of in your mind that you know, I need to get. They're always giving me confidence to shoot the ball because that, in, in return, makes the game easier for them. Uh, teams, are, it's harder to guard those guys. So it's never them trying to get the ball away from me. It's more of me just trying to get a better shot, uh, trying to make a play, passing up a good shot for a great shot. You know, help Memphis without a basket like a 10 plus minute stretch in the first half that you're still trailing at halftime as if you're running the struggles or something. What was y'all's attitude at halftime? Did y'all feel like you kind of had let something slip away? No, we, we were uh, really upbeat at halftime. Me and JB and Eve sat uh, the majority of the, set of the first half of foul trouble. So we knew that we were going to come back uh, fresh. But um, we just knew that shots weren't falling. We knew that we know that we can guard anybody in the country. It's just um, today our shots weren't falling. You said you wanted to turn a loss into a lesson. What are the lessons from this and how do you apply them? Uh, just how to, how to approach a game when you're not, not scoring the ball. The ball just won't fall in. Uh, how you can impact the game in other ways. And I felt like we played a really good defensive game um, besides a couple of miscues. And that's really what the game came down to. We lost by, how much did we lose by? Four? Yeah, so just two possessions. And um, so we just got to go back, look at film, and just see the, because we know that shots, we practice those shots every day. We're going to shoot them the next game too. They're, they're going to fall. But uh, just defensively, how we can get better. How would you describe what it's like to have a day like that when you guys are getting pretty good looks and the shots just don't fall? It's frustrating, but um, the coach during the timeouts was telling us to keep our heads. He was giving us the ultimate confidence. And um, but you just know that you got to impact the game in other ways. What went through your head when you saw Pete Hember jump from the free throw line to dunk as soon as he came to the game? That was amazing. He brought a lot of energy to the crowd and to the team. Uh, we need more plays like that from him, and I know he's capable of it. Steve seemed really disappointed himself when you missed the first of that one-on-one -on -one at the end. Did you guys have any message for him in the locker room just about that moment? Um, not that specific moment, but we all know there's, there's plays that we wish we could have back. We've just got to be better from it, uh, learn from it. Uh, but we know that nobody had a perfect game. we got to get better in our own respective areas. So so are you more, are you more um, comfortable or confident with where your role is in the offense as compared to the first week when you were still trying to come back from the injury? Yeah, and I, I definitely am more comfortable. It's just the time that I'm getting in, the reps that I'm getting in, I'm getting in better shape. And so um, it's just a, a better feel that I have for my role and what coach wants from me. And I think the time role, the time piece has, has played a big role in it. What do you see Lamonte and Mallory have teams game plan to take them out? Does that even stress more to you how important your role is in filling that role? Yeah, definitely, because I feel like um, if I can attack or score the ball, I can make the game easier for them. Uh, and so I know that, that they're going to be game for game plan for every game. And so uh, other guys besides those two have to step up um, and and be aggressive and attack just to get those guys open looks. As an offense, how do you find confidence or kind of, you know, get it back when things are going as badly as they were at times offensively tonight? Is it, I know it's a challenge, but how do you go about trying to, you know, because it seemed like y'all got a little tentative, a little out of rhythm. How do you make sure those things don't happen? Well, Coach is always telling us, just do what we practice. Um, we practiced really hard this past week and the week before. Uh, so just do, not not straying away from the, the offense that he's taught us that we're supposed to be running, just doing what we practice, even though we're getting good looks and it's not falling, just keep doing it.
so tough. I know that y'all, you know, you had such a long layoff for this game and it was such a big game. Then you turn around another tough game in a few days. I mean, do you think y'all can get back up and kind of put this in the, in the past? Uh, definitely. We're gonna we're gonna learn from it. Um, we definitely we got a couple of days to get ready for Cincinnati, but um, I think that we'll be prepared by the time Wednesday comes. You think the way that I mean. Obviously, Florida State and Memphis have both had some success finding ways to kind of attack y'all and put pressure on y'all. Do y'all think that, that that's sort of the book on y'all now and that y'all are going to have to go face that a lot until you, you prove you can stop it? Probably, yeah. Coaches are smart. They see that if two teams beat us uh, driving the ball one-on-one, -on -one, things like that, they're going to do the same exact things. Um, but I feel like we're getting a lot better. And we have a lot of ground to cover, but I feel like we're making strides to get uh, in the right direction. Coach and John both talked about how maybe shot selection wasn't necessarily bad today. They just weren't going in. What was the problem there, even with the good shots? It's just, that's just how basketball is. Um, you practice those shots. We practice those shots every day in practice and workouts and things like that. And they just weren't falling. And we're going to keep with the, It's the offense that we're running, so we're going to keep shooting those shots, and they're going to fall. Is that stuff contagious sometimes? I mean, is it just the way it goes in this game? I guess you could say that. Um, yeah, nobody was really hitting any shots, so I guess you could say it's a little contagious. It's been a little while since Tennessee lost at home. What was it like to see another team celebrating on the floor there? It wasn't fun, um, but we're going to keep that memory in the back of our mind because we don't want that to happen again. Uh, we lost at a neutral site and we lost at home, and now we just got to create another win streak at home. <laughs> you, you were talking about lessons learned, but playing in this kind of game, how can that help you knowing you play in big games? Uh, I feel like we didn't have to. We had a lot of emotions going into it with the great atmosphere, but uh, I felt like we were we were very calm and we, we dealt with the emotions really well. And so I get I, this game prepared us for other games that we'll have along um, here at TBA during the rest of the season. Was that brought up ahead of time, knowing that there would be emotion in it? Yeah, definitely. Coach just told us to keep a level head. Um, we knew we were going to be excited for this one, um, but I felt like we had, did a good job uh, of taking care of our emotions. Nobody really got out of out of themselves. Uh, we we executed on defense for the most part, and then on offense we executed, but the shots just weren't falling. Is this a game before the season you maybe circled a little bit with how many highly talented guys freshman Memphis has, and you being a high, highly talented group? What'd you say? This is a game that you kind of circled maybe before the season with how many highly talented freshmen Memphis has and you also being a highly talented freshman. Uh, I guess you could say that. Uh, we knew they had a good uh, recruiting class for this class. Uh, they had a lot of hype around them. But um, I guess you could say that it was uh, after what happened last year, it was definitely one that we were looking forward to, yeah. The second half, did you kind of keep thinking, you know, we're going to find a way to dig out of that? Because, you know, there have been games like that. I know this is your first year here, but there have been a lot of games in this building where it just kind of was a struggle, but then it got better at the end. Did you, did you think, oh, we're just going to find a way? Yeah, I was very optimistic um, because we were taking good shots. Uh, we were executing the offense that coach wanted to see. And so I figured the shots were going to fall, but uh, at the end of the day, they didn't. And we, um, we came up short. Gave up just five points in the first like, 12 minutes of the game, and then Memphis scores 19 in the last seven or eight in the first half. What changed for y'all on defense that allowed them to have some success in the first half? Well, we started, uh, they started pressing us, um, and so they sped us up a little bit. We started taking bad shots. They got uh, a lot of leak outs and a lot of um, transition buckets. And then we just, uh, they had a couple of offensive rebounds that they had. And so I feel like when we get a, a, a team in the half court offense, that's when we're at our best defensively. But when we turn the ball over and we're scrambling on defense, that's, that's when teams can get us. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, in-house ad you may or may not have heard just a moment ago. 
as always, you're not uh, contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated to, to listen to those commercials. But but for those of you who do that, we appreciate that. Helps us out at CBS Sports, helps us out at 24-7 Sports, helps us out at Go Boss 24-7. And you never know, in, in the holidays, it, it might just help you. Because if you're like me, we're sitting here at, what, I, I guess nine, ten days until Christmas, and I would, I'm going to guess right now conservatively that maybe 20 to 25% of my holiday shopping is done. Knowing Ramey, I bet yours is what, like 110% done already? No, no way. No way. I was, I was, uh, I've been ordering some stuff online the last few days, just kind of in weird places like, uh, the, uh, Tom Simone arena pregame. So no, I'm, yeah. I'm slacking. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen because this time of year, you know, people start kind of start taking time off of work. And, you know, the past few years, Grant, we, we've had bowl week, you know, there, there, it's been only hoops this time of year. I mean, football's been done the past couple of years, so you get used to being able to sneak away and go do a few things. And now it's like I'm looking at the bowl practice schedule, looking at the hoop schedule, and being like, "Oh no, when am I going to do this?" So yeah, uh, that that's where we are. Uh, but you know what? Uh, you know who's calm, cool, and collected is uh, Josiah Jordan James, as you heard during that interview. Tennessee's freshman guard uh, is a kid who does have some answers. I mean, he he, you know, it's it's weird, Grant. Maybe these guys because. Some of these five stars, you know, they're they're interviewed so much going into their their you know high school careers. They're on the AAU circuit. They're all the time doing interviews. People calling them, coaches talking to them. They're just they're so well versed in this nowadays. It's almost like you're talking to a pro, isn't it? Yeah, he's a, he's an impressive dude on and on and off the floor. He's he's uh, it's hard to get him rattled. It seems like off the floor, and it, and it seems like he's kind of getting closer to that on the floor. I mean, what what you saw the first. I think he scored Tennessee's first eight points against Memphis. He had some big threes, uh, some uh, emotional threes, and showing some emotion after hitting those shots. And uh, I think he hit one to, to put Tennessee up 15-5, to five and, and Memphis had to take a timeout, and that was a pretty big moment in the game. Uh, if you if you do take any way of positives away from that game, uh, I know Tennessee fans probably don't. Um, that was a different-looking Josiah James from what we've seen in the past just based on hitting those shots, stepping into them with a little bit more confidence and, and maybe he's just kind of getting uh, to the point where he's hitting his stride a little bit after being slowed down uh, with the injury in October. But uh, with what we talked about in the first segment, Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden, and Eve Pons, those guys, you don't really know what you're going to get from, from those guys, night in and night out. If, if you can get to the point where you know what you're getting from Josiah consistently, uh, whether that's on the wing or, or running the point guard a little bit for Lamonte, uh, that would be a, pretty big step forward for him and for this basketball team yeah and I think when you look at it's not just him you know I mean obviously he was the most positive one but when I look at guys like you know Drew Pember in that game uh, he he looked better in his 13 minutes than I would have expected I mean the kid goes out there and rather than kind of be a deer in the headlights I think the first time he comes off the bench and gets the ball he tries to go throw down a dunk from like the free throw line he tried to dunk on Memphis's entire city you know, and, and he was confident in there. He had fourteen. Or he had four rebounds in thirteen minutes. He did some good things too. And, and Olivier Comwa, you know, I talked to him earlier about how he missed a couple threes, and that got him kind of out of out of rhythm. He still got five rebounds in twelve minutes and, and did a couple of good things. And, and I thought that when Gaines was in there, ticket Gaines in the first half, you know, he didn't look like he was out of place. He was confident. He was out there running the break back and forth with with James. Those freshmen, they kind of showed some a little bit of confidence here in that game. And I think that, at least especially from what I saw from Pember, I've seen enough from these kids, Grant, to think that maybe some of them are developmental guys. But I think Barnes and these guys knew what they were doing when they wanted these guys. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, Drew was, was really impressive. I mean, I think he might have had the worst plus-minus on the team. Uh, but outside of just the numbers, uh, just the way he came in and, and tried to kind of assert something and, and looked confident and, and looked ready to go uh, and, you know, wasn't, you know, didn't go into a shell in that moment. Uh, the stage didn't kind of seem too big for him. Uh, just kind of in those glimpses, that's really all you need from those guys is, is those those moments. Those just give me a couple productive minutes here and there uh, for Pember, for Gaines. Uh, you, you need more than that, obviously, from Olivier Camois. Uh, and maybe they'll get that later on, but it's just those moments. And, and yeah, you're right. Th- those were um, red shirt possibilities. I think going into the season, I, I know Devonte Gaines was for sure, based on on what Rick has said about his summer. Uh, and he kind of took that off the table based on how he performed over the summer and, and into the preseason. Uh, and I think that's the same with Drew Pember. As long as you know, U.S. Plasic is is uh, sitting out. You know, Zach Kent's gone, obviously. 
they need bodies in the post. Uh, this rotation is pretty short. If he can just go in there and give you three, four confident minutes and, and, you know, not turn the ball over, play decent defense, you know, protect the rim, rebound a little bit. That's all you need from those guys. And, and maybe they're taking those steps. And before we talk about Cincinnati Grant, there's one more thing I do want to talk about. When I'm looking at this box score, I see the name Jalen Johnson, and then I see two minutes. And, and I'm starting to wonder, I'm maybe not going to go so far as Admiral Schofield did and go out there and kind of petition for Jalen Johnson to get more minutes, which was kind of awkward, really, for Admiral to go uh, to Twitter with that. But, hey, that's Admiral being Admiral, I suppose. But but what is going on with Jalen Johnson? I mean, it, it's something – this kid's been around the program for four years. He's obviously a good athlete. He's got He's got some offensive skill. And I don't think in his two minutes he really did anything terrible out there. I, I'm confused as to why – you know, what, what's the breakdown there? What, why won't they, or why isn't that kid on the floor more? Cause I'm not saying he's an all-star or anything like that. I'm just wondering how have things gotten to this point where he's still just playing two minutes in a game like this? You're, you're, you're wondering when you've scored 47 points and shot 15 for 60 from the field, how this kid could have made that worse, which I don't really understand. Maybe your most, uh, one of your most offensively skilled players. Right. And it, I mean, in the kid puts the work in, he works hard. Uh, he was out there, probably three hours before tip-off, getting shots up with managers. Uh, he does that same kind of routine before practice. He's in, you know, 45 an hour early, getting shots up, uh, working with assistant coaches, whoever will uh, get in there and spend some time with him. So he's, you know, he's not he's not melded in and just sitting back and, and taking whatever's coming to him. He's, he's, he's continuing to work and trying to do what's asked of him, but uh, apparently there's just not a trust level there. Uh, between Rick Barnes and him, uh, whatever reason, you know, he, he played decent in uh, Destin against VCU after having a really bad game against Florida State, or I guess a really bad couple minutes where he got on the floor, got pulled, and, and, and never got off the bench again. Uh, but he showed a little sign of progress there against VCU. I don't know what his numbers were uh, between, you know, then and Memphis, but, you know, something's just not clicking. Something's not there. And if it's to the point where, you know, he graduated on Friday. He, he's been around. He's been here yep. uh, long, way long enough to, to get on the floor and do something. Uh, it's just not clicked, and, and you have to wonder if these numbers continue, if these minutes continue, if he's not a factor. Uh, people wonder why he hasn't transferred yet or before this season. Well, now he's graduated. He could go anywhere he wants next season, so maybe that's a possibility on the table for him. Uh, obviously, you know, nine games into a 31-game regular season, ton of basketball to be played ahead of him you never know what could happen but uh, i think that's a possibility and him and admiral are extremely close yes Uh, that is a really tight friendship uh and that's admiral like you said it is kind of (laughs) awkward but he's going to go to bat for his guy Uh, and i kind of see his point i mean in that game when there's uh, the struggle is that great you know put him in there and see what he can do but apparently something's missing there and i I guess it's trust between him and or a trust from Barnes on what you're going to get from Jalen Johnson when he's in the game. Yeah, the only thing that makes sense to me is that is that because of the the concerns defensively, Barnes Barnes was thinking, well, you know, these guys out here will at least defend and they'll keep the game within arm, arm arms reach. And if I put you know Jalen out there and you know Memphis was playing that three small guard lineup late, and maybe one of those guys gets loose on Johnson and scores a couple buckets, and he thinks the game kind of gets away from him. I don't know. I'm I'm not Rick Barnes. I assure you that we're going to ask him about that this week because I will if no one else will because I, uh, you know, I, I didn't think about asking that after the game, but I'm thinking about it now and I'm wondering why I didn't ask him because if you're going to go through a whole game scoring 47 points and you've got a guy who's at least got some some offensive skill out there, let him go out there and shoot the ball. I, I don't something something's off there. But there's plenty of other things to discuss. There's plenty more to to talk about, so we can move on and talk about this week. And you know, for, for a team that just ended it's uh the longest home court winning streak in all of college basketball 31 games uh this this uh, may not be the the most confident time for that team to go out and play its first true road game of the season um and i know that you could argue that florida state for all intents and purposes was a road game because you're playing so close to tallahassee right there but it's not you're not in florida state's gym so that's not technically a road game. This will be, and Tennessee's going to Cincinnati, uh, which, as everyone knows, is always always puts a pretty good product on the floor, always been a good basketball program. Uh, there is a coaching transition going on there. Obviously, Mick Cronin is now out at UCLA and, and been replaced by John Brennan, a guy who 
uh, basically kind of rebuilt that Northern Kentucky program, got the Norse back to the NCAA tournament a couple of days. He did, he did a really, really good job uh, at Northern Kentucky. So this guy's a pretty good basketball coach, and he inherited a team that had, you know, you know, Jaron Cumberland, uh, you know, it's got, you know, Keith Williams, got some players on that team. Uh, but but Cincinnati's just kind of been okay. Grant, they're six and four. They lost to Colgate, a team Tennessee fans will surely remember. Um, but what do we know about these Bearcats? I know absolutely nothing about them other than how their game ended Saturday night. It was bad. Uh, yeah, that was rough. Uh, if anybody didn't see it, uh, go go fire up the Twitter machine and look for it. There's plenty of videos there. I think uh, Colgate. Yeah, like you said, Tennessee fans know all too well uh, about what Colgate is capable of after that scare they put them put in the Vols as a, as a 15 seed uh, in March, but I think they came down and tied it uh, with a three. I think it was 66-63. They hit a three to tie it in the last, you know, six, seven seconds. Cincinnati inbounds it, uh, and for whatever reason, at half court, the guy just heaves a half court shot. And it was Cumberland, too. It was Jaron Cumberland, one of their best players. <laughs> right, and the problem was there was like 3.5 seconds left oh, on the clock. so bad. Uh, so it hits the glass with like one five left. Uh, and and Colgate gets fouled on the rebound attempt. So they go down, hit free throws, they win 68-66, which is, I mean, my goodness. Uh, Of all the ways to lose a basketball game, I don't know if I've seen that one. Well, yeah, uh, or or was, not. Yeah, but. I saw something close because, you know, Grant Williams had the foul at LSU. That's in, true. In a situation kind of like that. But that hadn't been preceded by – Lamonte Turner or Jordan Bone or Jordan Bowden or, or Admiral Schofield heaving the ball from 55 feet when he had 3.5 seconds on the clock. So, my goodness. And the camera cuts to John Brandon, and he is just – I mean, he just can't believe it. He, he's got that look on his face like, what are you doing? Yeah, what, just keep going. Is, is, is it Southwest Airlines or which one had those want-to-get-away comer- like commercials? Southwest. Yeah, where it's yeah. like, you know, want-to-get-away or, or like, you know, it, it just seemed like he was like, wait, wait. Northern Kentucky wasn't so bad after all. You know, he just kind of had that look on his face. But I'll tell you, here's what you know about about Cincinnati. Cincinnati historically uh, is a team that is very, very physically tough. Uh, This is a team that will battle you, and and, and that kind of stuff is not the kind of stuff that goes away in like six months in one coaching change. This is a tough group of guys. In fact, we saw them last year at the NCAA tournament. You know, they played that first round, or they played that game, and and they lost, and you know, we saw him in person, and, and we kind of, interestingly enough, Grant sat like two feet behind Mick Cronin for, for that game, uh, the way it worked out. And um, so, so we know that team has some has some physical skill. And when you look at their schedule, they are 6-4, and four, but, but I'm going to tell you a couple things to add to this. Uh, they went to Ohio State and lost by eight points, uh, which Ohio State's been pretty darn good. Uh, so, so that's not a terrible loss. Uh, tough one there. They did lose an overtime to Bowling Green. There's no excusing that. Um, and they had to go beat Valpo in overtime. They had to beat uh, Illinois State by one point. Uh, they had to beat UNLV in overtime, beat Vermont, which is a decent program, by nine at home. And then they went to Xavier, which is, you know, anybody who knows anything about, you know, that town knows how kind of heated that that rivalry game is. Uh, and Xavier won that game by seven points. Uh, it was at Xavier. And then they had the, the Colgate loss. So this is not a bad basketball team. I don't know if it's a really good team. Uh, but this is this is a game where it'll be tough. I think they're having a blackout up there uh, on Wednesday night. And it this is going to be a test for Tennessee because right after you you lose that home winning streak, you know, you, you kind of get your, your confidence at a low. You play your worst uh, offensive basketball game probably the program's had in years. And now you got to go on the road and play against a, a pretty, pretty decent name opponent. Uh, you got to wonder kind of where their head's at right now, don't you? Yeah, and I think it's uh... – I think it's a good opportunity for this Tennessee team. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to sit on that Memphis game for ten days and have a finals break like they good had point. leading into that game. Good point. Uh, they they only have to wait until Wednesday, uh, and it's. It, I think it can be good for a team to go on the road and kind of get that us versus everybody mentality, and kind of get away from everything at home, uh, and be with your your teammates and and kind of in that setting on the road, uh, team hotel and bus rides and plane rides and all that stuff. I think that can help and. Um, obviously, they're they're a beatable team. You just ran through the schedule. Uh, Colgate, if Colgate can go in there and win by one, Colgate's I think the 132nd team according to Ken Palm. Cincinnati 62, Tennessee's 22. Uh, so Tennessee should be, you know, by the numbers, Tennessee's the better team. But at the same time, Ken Palm 
uh, has a the projected score at 67-66, no, 66-65 in favor of Tennessee uh, and a 52% chance to win. So, I mean, it's that close. Uh, and he has Cincinnati at 75th in offensive efficiency and, and 54th in defensive efficiency. So uh, pretty solid on both ends, not a lead, obviously, uh, but not bad on both ends. Uh, I mean, they went to Ohio State on November 6th when, you know, nobody really knew who that Ohio State team was. Uh, and lost by eight in Columbus, so uh, they can they can they can play with anybody on any night probably. Uh, it's going to be a really good test for Tennessee to go in there and, and see what can happen. And I think Tennessee's also fortunate that they played in front of twenty thousand Saturday and they were in an intense environment, uh, a loud gym, even though it was their home crowd. I think that plays in their favor. But it's a really good opportunity for Tennessee to kind of hit the reset button uh, and, and flush what happened against Memphis and, and try to correct it against a good Cincinnati team. And I'll tell you, Grant, they're going to have to do it quick because after that, they, they play Jacksonville State at home. But then guess what? You get Wisconsin December 28th at home, and then uh, you get the, the next week SEC play starts and LSU and Will Wade come on into town. And then from there, you just go down there, Missouri, South Carolina, Georgia, Vandy. Like it's on at that point. You're in the SEC schedule, so there is no more kind of let's get like a get back kind of game or get right kind of game. Um, and not that Rick Barnes believes in, in playing a lot of those games anyway, but uh, maybe maybe that's the best thing. Maybe you throw them into the fire and, and see how they do. But but there's no there's no hiding now. Uh, this is this is where you are. Uh, this is what you got to go with. And maybe if you're Tennessee, you hope that that was your longest break without a game all year, and and maybe you. Maybe maybe there was some rust there. I mean, I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm I'm kind of scratching here. But do you think? I mean, before we get out of here, Grant, how concerned? I I know that we both probably will sit here and say that things will never be quite that bad offensively again. But but how how much concern is there on your end about this offense, even if it's not as bad as it was in that game, that it could be kind of bad and that they might have to play rock fight basketball for a while. Uh, I don't think my concern level is that high. They shot 33%. Um, I can't remember against Florida State. I think they shot 37% against Chattanooga. And the other six games they've played, they shot like 42.6% or higher. Uh, so they've shown that they can hit shots and, and be a decent offensive team. I think they're 55th in offensive efficiency, something like that. Uh, I, I, what you're not going to get is that Memphis – kind of all the lead into that Memphis game, the rivalry, the intensity. Uh, that's not the night in, night out kind of mode that college basketball runs uh, on. Those are kind of one-off games that, that come every few weeks that you you handle them when they're in front of you, and then you get on to what's next. And Cincinnati will be a good test. Uh, Jacksonville State's going to be a game where maybe they can fix some stuff, and you're right. Uh, Wisconsin, that's another sellout. That's going to be a big environment, even though Wisconsin struggled a little bit. Uh, and LSU to start conference play at home. Obviously, that's tough, uh, but at least you're at home. And, hey, you forgot about that Big 12 uh, SEC challenge where they get a really nice break and they only have to go to Kansas. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's, a, that's an easy dub right there. The, at the end of January and try to do something. But, no, my concern level is not that high. If, if they strung together, like, four out of five games where they shot 30% or worse or struggled like that, uh, sure. But – let, let's see this team get away from that Memphis game and see how they rebound, uh, see how they shoot the ball. Uh, and if so, they'll be fine. Uh, but there's going to be ups and downs with this team. It's it's an inexperienced bunch. you you got role players from the past that are expected to be the, the guys night in and night out. And there's going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys. Yeah, and I'll say this too. That offense, will that that's a nice offense. That offense is going to get you shots. Uh, it's not like they had just a whole bunch of horrible shots and they were turning the ball over and all that stuff against Memphis. They were just missing pretty decent looks. So, uh, you know, th- th- this offense, you know, it can't put the ball in the bucket for you, but if you run this offense the right way, you're going to get shots. So, you know, maybe maybe it was just a uh, maybe it was just a one-time thing, but uh, it was kind of it was a it's a really really ugly thing. And the good news is, you know, you've got that defense to rely on right now that we've talked about. They're they're right now they're a pretty elite uh, defensive team, uh, and that's not going to produce any uh, a ton of fun games to watch, but it's going to keep you in games. So if they can keep riding that defense, all else fails, uh, it's going to keep them in there even if they are, uh, even if they can't throw in the ocean. It's like they say, the best defense is a good defense. 
<laughs> Maybe I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I don't put it on a t-shirt. Put it on a t-shirt. That's it. That's it. We just. I think we just got our first podcast t-shirt. Today. The best defense is a good defense. Well, all right, Grant. I'll uh, I'll get us on out of here, and I'll uh, I'll see you probably here in just a uh, just a few hours or so. But uh, I guess for everybody else out there in Podland, they'll see you later in the week. I'll meet you at Skyline Chili. There see you go. You. There you go, guys. Thanks for tuning in. As always, got plenty to talk about. There, there's tons going on, even when it's not great. We're gonna sit here and talk about it. We're going to shoot you straight here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. That's what we're going to do. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, putrid, disgusting, just grotesque. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we're going to be here to discuss it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Or... You can find all of us on Twitter at twitter.com slash goballs247. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can also go to facebook.com slash goballs247 for that. Ramey does an excellent job, excellent job running our Facebook page. Or you can go get that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water directly from the source at goballs247.com. Great, great holiday gift. You know, it's like, what do you want? If you've been really good this year, maybe Santa will give it to you. Maybe, maybe if you've been really, really good, you can get a GoVoss 24-7 subscription. You can get access to things like this podcast, but in written form all day long. Every Tennessee sport all the time, right there on your computer, your tablet, your phone, wherever, wherever. GoVoss247.com. If you do that, you also get access to CBS All Access for free. And that's everything in the CBS catalog, all the shows and movies plus live events like live NFL ball, live SEC sports, football and basketball, NCAA tournament, uh, UEFA Champions League coming up here uh, in just a year or so. When that contract runs out, it goes to CBS because we're made of money and we can buy anything we want. And you can get all of that for free. So go do it. Don't be that person who doesn't do it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Don't do it. Come join the flock. Nothing else, guys. We will see y'all at the latest on Thursday morning. See ya.